it's a country that they'll say yes entrepreneurship but then when you start how to keep the momentum going how to keep the business at afloat is something that immigrants faces a lot or small businesses you don't get the financial support you don't get the loan that you are supposed to push the business and then there are a lot of organizations that are in place that are supposed to help fund or push those businesses but they are not there they are not there for some of us you're listening to finland through the looking glass a podcast hosted by Denise Wall about life in Finland through the eyes of foreign background residents. Hello and welcome everyone. As usual, I'm your host Denise Wall and we're back at one of my favorite spots in downtown Helsinki on Shanti Cafe. I have with me today a woman who's had an incredible journey during her time in Finland and who now runs one of the country's rising hair and skincare brands. Her name is Edem Agbeke-Taylor, and she's the force behind the Inkuto Organics brand. It's lovely to have you, Edem. Thank you so much, Dennis, for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. Now, introducing this episode, as you just heard, Edem, I mentioned that uh, you'd made a dramatic switch in your career to become a skincare entrepreneur. Can you explain to our listeners how that happened for you? As you mentioned, I am the owner of Inkuto Organics. I am a trained automobile engineer and I worked with cars and trucks and you know for many years before I moved to Finland. I met my husband and exactly a month when I moved to Finland and it was love at first sight and we got married I think um, three weeks uh, three weeks after we met no way he got we got engaged and got married so it was very quick it was a whirlwind romance I think he was waiting for me because he said <laughs> that he said you are the one I've been waiting for wow. so it was very nice and and we are still married we are still together Congratulations, that's wonderful. So this uh, company or the brand Inkuto was born and I would say that it's a family business. It was born out of necessity or by accident, I always say. Well, I got pregnant when after we got married and I had a baby. And this baby, that's my first daughter, happened to have skin problems. She really came out with very, very dry a wrinkled bad skin. My mother called to congratulate us. I said to my mother, Mommy, can you believe this? I have given birth to an old lady. And my mother laughed and she asked, the sheer butter and African black soap I've been sending to you, have you finished using them? I can send you more. I started washing the baby and massaging the baby. And lo and behold, I even forgot that the baby had a skin problem. The day that we were scheduled to see the nurse, of course, we went there. She went, what happened to the baby? She said to me, her skin looks beautiful. I've never seen such thing like a baby with that skin heal so fast. And then the next visit I took from home, unpacked, I just gave it to her. So subsequent visit, 
I remember we were, I was almost out of the door. My foot was at the door, like one foot in, one foot out. And I heard my name, Adam. So I turned and when I looked at her, she said, remember the thing you gave me? You know, I always wash my hand after every patient and my fingers are broken and it's very painful. I have tried it, my fiancé have tried it, and we both love it. Where can I get more to buy? And can I recommend this to other mothers? Ding, ding. This is where I had the idea. And even the name Inkuto was the inspiration from my husband because Inkuto is another name for shea butter. Ah, I did not know this. Yes, in, in Ghanaian language. And also it means raw and authentic. And that was, uh, how long ago was that? Oh, that was back in 2007. Now, when you uh, had this aha moment, that ding-ding moment, and you realized that there was a business opportunity there, did you then uh, decide to research what the market was like in Finland for hair and skin products, and especially for this kind of organic product coming from Ghana? I did the research and no one had or there wasn't in the markets unrefined shea butter. There was one brand that was really refined so you don't have the naughty smell or, you know, and I did the research and nobody was doing it. So we started and these are the community that really support you supported push me up i really wanted to ask you that question uh, in terms of who do you think is your target market for the incuto brand products that are natural that are sustainable is it um more of a finnish audience a, a mainstream sort of finnish audience or do you also count among your your customers uh, afro background people here in finland the beauty of what we do is I, I, I try not to, you know, put ourselves in uh, or our brand in a basket. It's good to have target audience, but our audience is any person who wants to have an alternative or natural skin and hair body care product that are sustainable. There are people who believe in ethical business also or small businesses family business and we we touch on all these things they are sustainable in a way that the packaging some of the packaging and also the the things we use we know the people who produce them or gives us the raw material who have fair fair pay or fair salary for their job our audience are people who believe in our story, who believe in our products, that they are also quality, and people who want to empower and, you know, see some change happen in the world. I have to say that the Incuto brand came onto my radar uh, some years ago, uh, actually. I didn't really know anything about shea butter or the benefits of, of using it, and certainly not the African black soap. Um, when I went into a supermarket was when I noticed this brand. It caught my eye and I had a, a read the label 
and I read that this was a product produced in Finland and it's an all-natural organic product and uh, and I thought to try it then so the question I have for you though is what was it like trying to get your product into stores in Finland because you're telling the story of something that started really small I would say I will I'll should I use the word I'll take off my heart to my customers or the people because they have been speaking on my behalf and my belief is God brought me here for a purpose I wasn't here by accident and I didn't come here to to just be one of the numbers the people who were buying those products started i don't i don't even know how i got into the shops how do you think it happened i, I did i did my best you know marketing my i was we were in every corner during the summer every happening and look i started my daughter was about three months, six months. We were in Kaupatori. I had my baby on my back and I have the shea butter on the table. I had those boats. That time Finland was so... Active, were, vibrant. Yes. Mm. So there were boats coming all over the world. And people would be taking photos of me with the baby on my back and then they'll be buying the product. Some from Netherlands. I had customers from France because these products were not common so it started from there and I believe that these customers who are not the international customers but the local ones who met me at festivals started blogging about me and these same customers decided that you don't have Facebook we set Facebook for you and they did and then they started saying you don't have website and then they set up a website, they, they decided to uh, do that. And we had this static website that people can send, people were sending, you know, their stories and everything. And then we changed it to the new click and buy, that kind of thing. And so I would say that I, I, I believe that it's my customers or the community that through them, they became my destiny helpers mm. to take me to the shop. So are you saying then that the customers uh, started asking the stores, uh, do you, are you selling this product? Where can, can we see this product on your store shelves? And then the stores approached you? I can say that, for instance, um, some customers were asking me, the first shop I went, I got into was Rohoyuri. And they were asking me, do you have your product in Rohoyuri? And I said, what is Rohoyuri? And they say it's this eco shop and stuff like that. So we went to a children's fair and then we sent some invites to the buyers. Them, So they visited us and they decided to stop the sheer butter. So when I had the black soap, I remember I pitched it to them and they were like, no, my boss says that she only knows the soap that is white. So I said, okay. But then I think customers started asking and then they started stalking them. And I also remember that um, with a big customer like City Market, 
I don't know how they found me, but they also found me in the fair. And they decided to stock the things that we have now. I'm very, very humbled and thank everybody. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Well, let's take a break because now I think, Adam, your hot chocolate is probably cool enough for you to drink. This is Finland Through the Looking Glass, a podcast hosted by Denise Wall. And we are back. Adam has had some of that hot chocolate. How is it? It's It, it tastes so good. <laughs> yes. And I'm having, what is it I'm, I'm having, Travis? A mocha. I'm having a mocha. My first time and I'm loving it. I've been doing some research about entrepreneurship among um, immigrants here in Finland. And I'm f- I found some data from both Suomen Iritayat, and so that's the largest uh, sort of um, influence group that represents uh, business people, small and medium-sized businesses here in Finland, and the economic research think tank Etla. And that data show that immigrants are responsible for establishing increasing numbers of businesses here in Finland, and also that they create relatively more jobs than firms owned by the general Finnish population. On the other hand, though, we know from recent statistics that many more businesses are failing and they're closing their doors. Uh, What I want to know from you is how difficult has it been for Inkuto during the most recent challenges, which of course include uh, a global pandemic, a war, and the economic downturn that that war uh, triggered globally. Entrepreneurship, it's kind of um, a way of telling yourself you are okay. You know, most of us have been brain drained from our country and we don't get the kind of jobs or the, the education that we had that our parents invested so much in us. So when you come and you find something that is unique and then you start doing something like that, you get the support. It's a country that they will say, yes, entrepreneurship, which it's beautiful because it doesn't take the complication of the bureaucracy of starting a business. It's very minimal. But then when you start how to keep the momentum going, how to keep the business at afloat is something that immigrants faces a lot or small businesses. We don't, you don't get the financial support. You don't get the loan that you are supposed to push the business. And then there, there are, um, that is my personal experience, there are a lot of, um, um, it's not associations, Organizations. organizations that are in place that are supposed to push help fund or push those businesses but they are not there they are not there for some of us let me put it that way you don't get the advice that will help you to grow you don't get the financial support because there will be the bank will be requiring some kind of guarantee that you might not have And then you'll be running around or chasing your tail, as the English people say, in a way that you get burnout, you get tired. 
and then you 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 decide okay then i'm going to stop because the taxman is always behind your tail like behind you pushing you to the corner and then there are a lot of things are not stable changing all the time for instance inkuto was doing so great and then the pandemic all the money that was given to people we didn't get it did you apply for it we did huh. we didn't get a, a, a cent do you know why um the excuse will be that the money is finished so all that you have accumulated that all you have that is what you are still using and then people are now losing their jobs people are weighing what is necessity what they need and what they want the the fear people like people are so afraid that they are kind of hoarding or keeping the little that they have you have been about 16 years in the business yeah when you look back from where you are now to when you started your entrepreneurship journey is there anything that you understand now that you wished you understood then specifically about entrepreneurship and running a business entrepreneurship has been part of it has been in my blood when i was back home because i i was running business before i moved to finland i set up a hardware store selling cement and stuff like that so it's not something that it's new but then of course you learn the laws and you know things that will make you better and these are the things that the uh, the organizations are supposed to hold hands because in finland i'll say the number go against us we are so good for instance if i take the skincare cosmetic business it has become so competitive now that a lot of finnish companies buy from outside and bring to finland even though we don't have the market we don't have the numbers in terms of population and even people who have the money to spend but how many of finnish cosmetic small businesses are on the international market but then when they push me and the business is growing you employ more people and then the cycle goes on like that so it sounds like you're making a case for um organizations like business finland for example to do more in terms of promoting small and medium sized yes. enterprises abroad and one of the things that we do know that uh in other economies and i think also in the finnish economy for sure small and medium sized enterprises are generally those that are that account for employing larger numbers of people exactly across the board mm. than the big corporations yet it seems like the big corporations are the ones that get support i remember i went to one international fair and i had international um uh, businesses who wanted to you know export or uh, import into their countries and because i started in a way that my my pricing i didn't include distributors or like there are 
um, levels of distribution. So I went to all these places just to get the help, not financial. I just needed the knowledge. How do they do the calculation? All the institutions that are supposed to help businesses, I never got any help from any of them. And imagine if Inkuto had been on all these, imagine how many people I'll be able to employ. Mm. And I think employment is uh, one of the biggest issues for small businesses because, as we know in Finland, it's very expensive to employ anyone because not only do you have to ensure that you can afford to pay a salary, but you have to pay the associated social costs that, that, is that not, go on top of I the salary. I don't think that is a challenge because if you have the right product and the right market and the right pricing employ it's just like the big companies they have to do the same so it wouldn't be a challenge if you have the sales we are struggling because we are not selling as much as we should so the money that is coming in is paying the whatever and then you are back to square one so mm. you are like oh i can't afford but every business can afford if we have the numbers coming in. Absolutely. And business is about numbers. I want to ask you though, you talked about how you, you feel that you haven't had support from certain organizations whose role it is to support small and medium-sized businesses. Have you been able, for example, to find support in the community of entrepreneurs? There, there is the community which I'm a member, but to be honest with you, Yes, individually, not as organizations. Because at a point, they, I, because when I needed help, I fell on them as well, but never got the help. Also, you know, among some entrepreneurs, for me, I should say that if you are a competitor or you are doing the same thing or you heard my story and started a business, you don't have to see me as an enemy, you know. In some countries, I, ha I have some friends in other countries who are entrepreneurs. People share ideas. Oh, I made this soap and this happened. Did I do something wrong? But here is a case in Finland. You cannot ask your fellow entrepreneur about anything. They will not share with you. They will not tell you. They will not give you what. They, they see that, oh, why should I give you? you become better than me. That kind of ideology. But, uh, well, I'll get the help if the need be. But maybe somebody wants me to learn the hard way. And I have been learning the hard way. All that I'm saying is not just about me, but it's about the whole country and the economy. You know, how do you, or how does the system support you know, it's an ecosystem. How do we grow? How do we become better? What would you say has been the biggest challenge for you in entrepreneurship in um, Finland? For me, it's about the language because I still don't speak Finnish. If I were to speak Finnish, I think I would have been in a higher place than I am. But 
in all things, I'm grateful. Um, getting to know um, the language is the only thing that is going against me. And then finding the right people. When I came to Finland, I was told that uh, Finnish people are very honest, which is true. I'll not put all things in one basket, but my experiences in the business has really taught me that the younger Finnish, some of them are really, really crook. Companies are taking advantage of small businesses. And you, you feel that you don't have a say because nobody will listen to you because maybe you are from the minority background. So it, you keep it to yourself. You don't complain to anybody. You, you, there's a lot of bad things happening that, to me, that I don't talk about it because I feel that I don't have the energy and then the time to be going to the court and, you know, to be bad. There's a lot a lot in terms of challenges but then small economy to to become what you have to become and you so the language issue you think has to do with um, you know not having a command of finish has not allowed you maybe to break into certain areas or have conversations with yes. certain people yes. that would help advance your yes. business yeah because sometimes you meet people that could be potential, but you cannot tell them exactly what you want to express to them for them to understand. So it's, and there are a lot of small businesses who don't speak English at all. They want to sell your products, but they don't, you don't, they don't speak English. So how do you communicate? And that has been the, the challenge. How have you been um, sort of using the power of networks, of people you know who know people, to help you grow your business in Finland? To be honest with you, the business has become, or uh, is such that, you know, running a family business or a small business, this is what keeps entrepreneurs away because you have the network but you don't have the time to network because you are always in the business you don't have the time to socialize you don't have the time to even have a you know a coffee break with a friend to talk so you are kind of by yourself you become lowly in the field of your expertise and that is kind of challenging so yes, you have the network, but then, yes, sometimes you get the help, sometimes you don't. This is Finland Through the Looking Glass, a podcast hosted by Denise Wall. All right, we're back on a rainy Tuesday afternoon, and if you if you hear that uh, hum in the background, that's the sound of of Helsinki raining down cats and dogs in the background. Um, it's quite cozy though here in the cafe with a warm drink in this kind of weather, so we're not complaining. No, <laughs> not at all. And uh, once again, we're back with uh, Adam Agbeke Taylor, 
who is the founder of the Incuto Organics brand. And Adam, your businesses and your products emphasize natural and sustainable products and business. On this podcast, we previously spoke with another entrepreneur who stressed the importance of knowing your supply chain so that you can provide products that you can guarantee are clean and organic and sustainable. How do you do that with your brand? For instance, we know the people who make our shea butter as raw material. We know the people who make the, the African black soap as also raw material or as a finished product. We know them by name, by face and we know the quality so we can go back to them most of the times you buy shea butter big in the market you don't know how long it has been on the shelf how long it has been on the you know and it's very important knowing uh, the traceability we call it in Kuto has it has been the the foundation of our, or the core of our business that we know the people. That's why we can boldly say that it's not just marketing. We have the experience of the product and we know those who make our raw materials. Is it biodegradable? Is it plant-based? Is it all natural? When was it made? How was it made? When was it shipped? When you buy Inkuto products, you are not just empowering me as an individual or our family business. You are empowering a lot of people, like these women, who will give their children quality education from their sales. And also, like we recently started, disabled people to give them... Can you open that up about how exactly your social entrepreneurship works to provide opportunities and empowers people. I grew up from this kind of environment. I was privileged. My father was an army officer. I had a privilege to go to good school. And I know the power behind a woman pushing their children. My mother didn't have formal education, but she's so brilliant. And she made sure that all her children went to school. My father never went to college. He had the basic education, but he made sure that we all got the education. Empowering women is very important in my community or in my society, or from where I was born and grew up from. Because the woman understands the need of the family. Secondly, polygamy is normal in my country. So when the man dies, the woman suffers because sometimes the man doesn't have much and he has about four, children, uh, four, four wives or women and 20 or 25 or 30 or 15, whatever numbers of uh, um, children. And these women understand the quality or the, the essence of a formal education. Our children are our social system. So when your child has a good job, when you are older, they send you something or they take care of you when you are sick. I always see the people with disability. And in every country, I know that people who are disabled don't get recognition in the society 
as we even look at us, we have everything, but still we get that kind of discrimination. So if somebody is disabled, they don't even get interviewed. And all that these people can do, most of them, is to just sit by the roadside and beg before they can put shelter or they can eat. So we thought, my husband, we said that, why don't we create something for those people and then put them in for them to make what we are doing with the quality, the finished quality, then they can earn for themselves. And so you've set up, a, is it a sort of a factory or a facility where they are uh, taking the raw shea butter and creating products and that is providing them with a source of income yes to help them so in their lives this uh, the the widows and the orphans are in the up north and the disabled people are in the south the southerners who are the disabled people we are planning to make this um, production i'll say workshop whereby they can learn and do something for themselves or we will teach them whereby the people in the up north, they don't have the same problem because the shear trees are in abundance. So they just pick them and then they process them. Then we say, okay, we'll pay you. Because I don't remember ever bargaining for a price. They say, okay, we want five euros, we give them. We want 10 euros, we give them. Because we know that that 10 euros with the work that they've put in to make that product it's not worth it you, you know what i mean like if you are buying a kilo for 10 euros and the person used more than three days to make that then giving that person 10 euros it's not yeah, so it's that's why we price. yes we do it directly we don't have any middlemen and this is how we are empowering people the social part of our business mm. I think that's very inspiring and certainly something for other entrepreneurs to think about how they can sort of give back to society, whether it's here in Finland or somewhere else in the world. And I think it's especially important, uh, again, if I reference what's um, in the political discourse in Finland, at the moment there is a pushback against development aid, for example, and a proposal to reduce the amount of development aid that's going uh, uh, going abroad. Um, but this kind of model where people are provided with a means to employ themselves and to earn rather than the handouts that you talked about earlier in a continent where there's so many handouts and it still doesn't seem to be improving the lives of people. This is certainly something to consider. I, one thing I wanted to talk to you about before we sort of uh, get into closing up the program is about imported products in, in Finland. And I know this is a conversation that you and I had a few years ago. There are lots of imported products targeting Afro-background residents in Finland. And some of them are actually quite harmful, like skin bleaching products. As a skincare, skin and hair care entrepreneur, how do you feel about what seems to me to be the easy availability of these kinds of products here in Finland? Sadly, most of our people, we don't read. We don't care. We choose price over quality. So, and there are markets. They don't care about people. They just make anything that will sell for them. It's up to us to know 
what is right for us. What you want to put in your mouth, what you want to put on your body, is all up to you. There are cosmetics or let's say makeup in the market. But people will choose to go for two euro makeup. There is a reason why it's two euros. And the same concealer is maybe 100 or 60 euros. There is a reason. So it's up to you to find out why. Is it a small company? Are they doing the right thing? Are they giving us a, are they are the products biodegradable? Are they sustainable? Are they ethical? These are all the questions. Okay. Now we're about ready to wrap up our chat. Uh, and I did warn you what time it is going to be at the end. Uh, you get to respond to what we call a hot potato question from our last guest. Uh, and that was Joppe Quatflik. And his question for you is this, Travis. If you would have a decision maker from the government sitting in front of you, what would you ask? What I would ask is, do you love your country? And what are you doing to put your country in the world stage? Is it positive or is it negative? What energy would you like the world or how do you want the world to know you for? That's what I'll ask. Fair question. Fair question. I would love to hear the answer to that as well. Now, like every other guest on, on the podcast, you also get to ask a question for the next person who will join me in that seat. And uh, I hope you've maybe had a chance to give it some thought, but what would be the question that you would ask whoever comes next? Well, the question I would like to ask the next guest is, if you have the chance to support a small business with a limited budget and a big business with the same limited budget, which one will you go for? Which one will you choose? A sustainable, ethical, small business or a big commercial business? Which one will you support with a limited budget? Mm. Now, before I let you get back to doing your work to make people feel and look good, Adam, is there anything you'd like to say to our audience? Please feel free to be part of Inkuto's uh, mission. Uh, feel good, do good. Um, purchase our product. Empower us so that we will be able to empower others. Without your support, we wouldn't be able to make it. But also, I want to say a big thank you for all the support that they've given us from when we started till now and I pray that their dreams will come true as well and they will become what they want to become Fantastic, I have a quick uh, final question for you in Kuto Are there any new products that you can give us, uh, give our listeners a sneak preview about? Anything yes. interesting that you're cooking up in your lab? Yes, I'm cooking um, um, some toothpaste that customers have been asking for, some natural deodorant as well that have been asked for many, many years, but I haven't put myself out there. But yeah, I'm cooking a lot of things. We will look out for your new products. And uh, if you don't know the website, it's inkuto with a K dot com. 
I N K U T O. That's right. Com. Go shopping. Yes. With your limited budgets. Yes. <laughs> Well, we'll wrap up this episode on that note. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been great to see you and, and to see your brand grow from strength to strength over the years, actually. And fair disclosure, I am one of the customers. But anyway, please like, share, rate and subscribe to the podcast, which you can find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts and Anchor.fm and remember to follow us on Instagram where you can continue the discussion. As always, I'm so grateful to Travis and <laughs> to our supporters at Enchante Cafe and I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Finland Through the Looking Glass is a podcast created and hosted by Denise Wall. Production on this episode was handled by Travis Glossop. Thank you to our friends at Enchante Cafe in Helsinki. Join us on the next podcast for more intimate and eye-opening conversations from Finland's quiet minority.